Hi, I'm Bob Witte with KPND in Sandpoint, Idaho. If I can be a fan of Skylight Books, LA's world-famous independent bookstore, from way up here in the Idaho Panhandle, then you can too from wherever you are. Visit the website, buy some books. You can even join their membership club and reap the benefits of supporting independent booksellers. Thanks. softer side meet me on the softer side softer side of your heart hi there and welcome to the skylight books author reading series you can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online you can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Um, and now I get to do the fun part. It feels funny to me introducing someone that you all obviously know much better than I do myself. But today we uh, welcome Michael Woodworth Fuller, who has a long. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Michael has a long history of accomplishment um, in the theater world and in education, teaching and directing at many different levels. Um, you can read about it all on his website at michaelwoodworthfuller.com. Um, but he's here today in his capacity as an author to debut his, his first book, Legacy, which it seeks to explore uh, the always timely topic of how we respond to violence and the long-lasting uh, consequences of war. Um, so, And we're really happy that Michael, uh, whose book is actually a print-on-demand title, um, which is not always common for authors we have read here, has really uh, worked to partner with specific Skylight specifically, but also independent brick-and-mortar bookstores. Um, instead of just skipping to the, the rush of the whims of, of folks online, he's really worked to make sure that um, it's here uh, available at stores and that you all can, can get it here. So we're really happy um, that you've, you've worked to do that. And now he's going to uh, let you hear a little bit from his book. Thank you. I don't need the mic, I suppose you can all hear me, yeah? Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, first, uh, I love this bookstore. I really do. I come here a great deal. Uh, and um, so I believe in bookstores. It's old-fashioned, but we should at least honor them because, you know, you got it in your hand. Uh, so I want to thank Skylight Books for doing this. If you run out of copies, you get a copy here, I'll sign it. And if they run out of copies, you can order them, and they'll take an advance order. Uh, I'm actually here for, there's another couple of reasons that I'm standing here. Uh, one of them is because the, the Linda, who will, who you, whom is actually standing up, uh, although <laughs> it should be along up here shortly. Uh, that's one of the reasons um, uh, that I'm here doing this. And uh, the other reason is the reason that you've even heard about this book is because the fellow here who has done an absolutely stunning job 
of putting out a website is Joe Lawrence. Where's yeah. Joe? Joe, Joe. Joe Lawrence, please. Joe is uh, truly a, a wonderful web designer and also has lots of marketing ideas. Uh, so that is the second reason. And uh, this book is uh, what you can read about on the website. This artist uh, is from Russia. Her name is Tatiana Apraksina. And Tatiana is a renowned uh, uh, artist throughout the world. And uh, she uh, adapted her name from the Boulevard Apraksin, which is in St. Petersburg, which is the center of Bohemian life there, post-Stalin. Otherwise, she wouldn't be here. Uh, so this book says it. This is great. Uh, OK, um, so I'll, I'll do a little bit of this. Won't be long, but just to introduce you, this is not a light summer read. Uh, in fact, uh, for some of you, it, uh, it's tough reading, I think. Um, it's a legacy, which is the legacy of war that's inherited by those who remain. That's what it is. Uh, and um, so I'll read a little bit. I'll read first chapter which is about four or five pages, and then I'll read two other chapters, which are one page each throughout, you can kind of get an idea, maybe. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I am going to tell you who I dedicated this book to. This is for my father and my mother and all the vets, all of them. Okay. So this is the first chapter. Peter John Carlyle Morrison. He had a name and a body and some kind of hands and face, maybe. His breath burst upon the window pane that evaporated, revealing himself reflected by the bed lamp behind him. Gauzed lumps at the ends of his arms reached out for his swaddled face, its blanched infant wanting pierced by three black holes. He closed the one that was his mouth. The other two stared their undeniable truth. Grinding the sobs rising between his teeth, he swallowed them unsounded and turned away into a broken landscape of sleeping, wounded men. Yanked up from their blistered shadowland that they hung, splayed upon pulleys, splints, and slings, tarnished sculptures of brittle metal inked upon an infinite ashen slate burned. They had all been burned. A screaming sea flung him toward their fractured shore, arching him to the height of its myriad small moons whose rigid silver soldered his maimed silhouette to the wall. He hung there with them, a crucified bird etched in the light of eternal winter, the red pages of his flesh ripped to their last chapter of agony, whose final word was a high-pitched, inarticulate syllable he had never heard, not even from the dying. Maggots swarmed in his veins, hatching into long, transparent worms writhing in the air above his head, sucking out his life, pulsing colorless inside them. He beat at them, but they bound his blanched padded pods to their boards and wound around his ankles, spread eagling, spread eagling his chrome skeleton, bouncing upon tendons of wire. They snapped. He hugged the worms to his belly and plummeted the ten-octave return to the screeching linen tide. 
He flailed, trying to walk on water, but the worms dragged him under to the vinyl snake gnawing its way inside his penis to bite his genitals and pop them. They fell away, taking the snake with them. He drifted directionless in a white void so compressed that pain was bliss. Who was that child crying? It was with him everywhere, a child crying for its mother. She floated to him, holding it. He flicked his cigarette lighter at her and yelled for her to get out of his way. Her child cried louder. She put her breast into its mouth, silencing it. He yelled at her again to move from her doorway, but she continued to nurse as if he did not exist. He pointed his weapon at her head and screamed. She hefted her baby and looked up, her child mother's eyes deep and dark upon him, waiting. His chest turned over upon itself. Had he been hit? A backward rush was filling a sudden hole. Her trees were still growing green here, and her sky was blue above the flames of her village. It was afternoon, not a number time of day, its warmth hemorrhaging the thick tenderness of his life from the cleft beneath his wishbone where he had crammed it with his guts, dark and forgotten. He dropped his lighter and lowered his weapon and stood in the ruin of her living place, the colors of its earth sopping up the confession of his lost child soul's innocence, whispering at her feet. And was he running? Yes, he was running, running in relief from her eyes claim upon his conscience, running with its brothers pumping rounds point blank into the bodies of flat slanted faces and helmets charging from the jungle, his blood pumping with a white joy of orgasm upon seeing them die. Planes came in low over the bouncing earth, bouncing from rockets and guns, and dropped dark shapes that skipped through the village, forming pools of fire. He flung himself down behind a tree, slamming his hands over his ears. Burning. They all were burning. Every name and face he had known and loved. Their cries were everywhere, crying the plea of the dying, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me, crying for their mothers. His arms and legs were pumping running among his burning brothers. Oh, Vaxter, oh, Miller, swathed in smoke at the child mother's feet, the hole in her floor betraying the cachet of arms that had been hidden there, she rocking maternal to them all, her charred child nestling in her smoldering lap, black milk pouring from her evacuated breasts. Oh, child, oh, child mother, oh, Miller, oh, Vaxter. He threw aside the glowing thatch, his brother's flesh united with the child's and its mother's scorching his lungs. He could not touch them. He could not touch any of them. The calling of their names surrounded him. He ducked, walked through the flames, flapping flannel wings, trying to fly. Grotesque claws rent his camouflage skin. His hands, oh Jesus Christ, his hands, Jesus Christ, oh Jesus Christ, stat, stat, yes, stat, oh stat of Christ, oh stat, these white brides of Jesus, the virgin breasts, breast, dresses rustling through country churches, bright with the dandelions of summer. Running after them through the colonnaded corridors, he found them in the nave. Their veiled faces gathered around him, singing his nuptial mass, Peter and John and Peter John. Wrapped in fresh robes of innocence, he stretched to lift their veils and receive their kisses of confirmation. But they placed his hands upon the altar, sibilating sacred secrets of the spirit, raising him to the dancing lights of Eden. 
flashing up that effulgent long shaft with them, he repeated their catechisms in a voice he'd all but forgotten. But just as he was about to accompany them into the joy of being painless, bodiless, and free, he was clamped back down that spasmodic tunnel and rested to the white cry of complaint. Oh, there was such tenderness in the Peter John whispered behind the veil with the blue eyes. Was he a Peter John? Was there enough left of him to be a Peter John unto her whose face he had never seen, whose voice was of all the voices of all the girls he had ever wanted? He reached out for her maiden breasts swelling with sweet milk to cool his pain, but she took his hands and held them, weaning him to her white world of waking. Morrison, which one of his brothers had spoken his name? The pat on the shoulder, the turning away, the gliding of gowns crisp in the start silence. Triage. Had they left him to die? Peter John, Carlisle, Morrison. I don't think I'm going to read anymore. I, first of all, my wife is telling me, and I shouldn't, she should not have to remind me to thank you all for coming. I'm truly honored that you come. Uh, and I, I know you came because you know me, and I appreciate that. But it's about the work. It's always about the work. Always. It really is. Okay. I'll read. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. This is uh, a little later on in the book. I'm skipping ahead. His days that followed were the tentative opening of seeds sending hopeful sh shoots skyward through fallow soil reclaimed in the recognition of rain. Warm weather and its mandate of growth was a timid whisper among trees green on green hillsides, and it was green, golden, and gray mixed with blue blossoming into the meadow of days beyond number. In Mrs. Warren's patient pace of labor and leisurely reminiscing with her over cocktails and dinners were the always, always of childhood, the living answer to his question of what he was going to do and where he was going to do it and why. And it was so simple to do, really, because he did not have to do anything but be happy. He slept peacefully beneath his branch-tapped window after quiet reading while listening to classical music his parents had played when he had been their child, scampering throughout this countryside, still fragrant with wood smoke. And he did so again, the pat-pat of his runner's feet, finding new meanings in old places. Uh, a friend of mine said, uh, he went to the Amazon, which he's not supposed to do yet, and uh, Amazon gives you a tease. So he read the first six pages, uh, the first chapter, the first three pages, whatever they do there. He said, I'm really not sure whether I can handle the suffering. And I said, well, suffering is the gateway to transcendence. So this book is not about suffering. It's about transcendence. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, question, Q&H, what? what would you like? Yes? I'd like to know the research Research I did for this book, well, uh, let's see, I was in the service, but I'm not a combat veteran. Uh, I was long before Vietnam. The Vietnam War certainly helped uh, put my uh, focus on that. Uh, one time in my life, uh, when I was young and dumb and full of you-know-what, uh, when I was eight, 20 years, 19 years old, I got out of the service, I... Uh, 
did try to uh, change from the Naval Reserve to the Army Reserve because, uh, and later I found out that if they had accepted me, that would have been Green Berets, Vietnam, which I was, God was good and said, you stupid boy, you're not doing that. <laughs> and then I knew a lot of vets, and then, uh, of course, you know, the adage is, my life may be a story, but my story is not my life. So all of that comes out of everything. Yeah, anything else? Yeah. How long did it take you from the day you picked up the pen and start the first page? I was 22 years old when I first started. I had no idea where I was going or why I was doing it. And um, it was put on and off for years, but uh, it probably started about then. And of course, your dad was instrumental because he ripped that book apart three times and tore my guts on it. <laughs> and then my guts were torn up uh, again after three years of labor. So it's taken a long time. To write it right, you know. Yeah. I used to say to my class at Hollywood High, writing is rewriting, but you have rewritten. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that's it. So what you'd like to do if you if you how more questions? Yes, of course, my dear. What authors do you did you get a lot from the writing of this book? Uh, yes. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because uh, uh, I don't know, really, you know, you read a lot, but I do know some that really struck me. I remember one of the reading epiphanies I had in my life was when I picked up uh, James Agee's Let Us Now Praise Famous Men. And um, <clears throat> uh, you open that book and you look at the sharecroppers who, when I first looked at that book, they were the ugliest human beings I had ever seen in my life. They were 30 years old, they looked 60 to 70 years old. And then I read that book, and they were beautiful. One unending of consciousness, that book was marvelous. Yeah. And next? Uh, well, you know, I thought this was going to be it, and now there's another, I've got two others coming out of this. Uh, so it's a trilogy. Um, halfway, about a hundred and some pages between in the middle of the second one and about a hundred and some odd pages into the third one. So that, yeah. And is there a difference in the focus? Totally, totally. How, uh, what? Yeah, this ends in about 1970. It's not a book about Vietnam. It just happens to take place uh, in the 60s uh, and 70s because that was a period of time that, you know, I understand. And then the second one actually takes place, uh, begins where this eighth chapter, I think, starts. It's in a classroom in college, but it's totally different character. And uh, this, the protagonist here is only mentioned, uh, is mentioned, he's very minor, but his influence is felt. And then the third one is, starts in 1974 to today, which is the hardest one. And that takes the character and 72 uh, to today. Yes? Where did the artwork come from? The artwork comes from uh, Tatiana Apraxina, who's from Russia. And uh, the publisher put me in touch with this. And, uh, and she did this drawing. And I met her in Oakland. Linda was doing a workshop in Oakland, so we went up there together. And I met Tatiana. And uh, she, uh, I saw the drawing, and I was devastated by the drawing. But I really thought it was a little bit over the top at first. And she said, well, you know, 
uh, that's how I feel about it. I read the book, and if you need to get another artist, I thought, <laughs> we're going with what we believe in. And, I, and I, I looked at that, and it just, and then, you know, that's it, it's just devastating. It's a devastating color. Yeah, it really is. See, so put your finger right in it. No yeah. question. Yo. Can we expect the second book sooner than the first one came? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like my friend Mr. Lamey who's in the back says, it's Dr. Fuller. Say, I hope you got your affairs in order. We haven't got much time left, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice yeah. To you, Michael. Thank you, my dear. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Truly. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.